Hi, it's Shana here. Before this episode starts, I'm popping in with a quick reminder about our upcoming CEU on Thursday, May 16th on a person-centered approach to behavior management. School taught us a lot about ABA. However, the thing with ABA is that it's a science and it's constantly evolving. So a lot of what we learned back then doesn't always apply now. Today, we want to use a person-centered approach to behavior management, um, but what does that look like and how can our learners still make progress in this kind of approach? So join us live on Thursday, May 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time as Shira discusses how to use a person-centered approach to behavior management with your learners. This CEU is presented by our very own Shira Karpel. You can earn one learning CEU for ACE, QABA, or IBAO. Join us live at this event or to watch the recording asynchronously, go to howtoaba.com forward slash CEU. See you then. Hi, I'm Shira Karpow. And I'm Shana Gaunt, and we're board certified behavior analysts. At How To ABA, we provide practical resources, community, and support to ABA professionals. In each episode of our podcast, we will be having real conversations with real people sharing real stories about ABA. We'll share relevant strategies and actionable tips that will make us all better ABA practitioners. It's the ABA content you need that you're not going to learn in a textbook. Hi, everyone. We are super excited to welcome to our podcast today, Morgan Van Diepen, who is the founder of ABA Visualized. Hey, Morgan, thanks for coming. Hi, thank you so much. I'm really, really honored to be here. I've been following your, your website and your resources for so many years. So it's really an honor to be invited and get to meet you guys. Ah, thank you. Well, I've been using ABA Visualize. I purchased the book a couple years ago um, for some of our, you know, staff training purposes. And I love how clear and user-friendly and really like just pretty your resources mm -hmm. are. And it makes it easy to read and not as overwhelming because you still have like the content and all the theory there, but it's in a way that's like actually enjoyable to read. So thank you for that. Thank um, you. I I have to say I can't take all the design credit because my husband is is a designer. He's an infographic graphic designer, and so all of that is is his expertise shining through. Um, but I'm that's the feeling that we wanted when you flip through the book is that you feel calm. You feel like this is beautiful. I can do this. Whether you're the provider or the parent or a teacher or someone brand new to ABA. So I'm glad that that's the impression it's giving off. And we, and we get all the credit for everything our husbands do. So still yeah. you. <laughs> I was like, it just looks so clean. And, yeah. you know, clean isn't always a compliment, but it's clean and clear. It's really, it's nice because it is just pretty. And like you said, yeah, exactly. You look at it and you're like, oh, okay, I can do this. It's calming. It's nice. Thank so, you. So tell us a little bit about you and um, really ABA Visual to start? Yeah. So I'm, like you said, I'm Morgan. I'm a BCBA. I've been in the field of ABA for my, my whole life. It's all that I've done. I love it. I knew very early on that I had this passion for working with neurodiverse or just being around neurodiverse individuals, something very early on I knew. So just a natural path for me. And it all kind of going down the normal path of becoming a BCBA, working at an agency, all of that. Um, but ABA Visualize is actually my my husband's idea because he is an infographic designer and just a typical, like, you know, you come home from work late and he's like, what do you do at your sessions? And I'm saying, 
yeah, you know, I help the parents if there's a tantrum and I kind of walk them through what to do and get kind of the vague answer. It's a little bit hard to describe ABA to someone unfamiliar. And he was like, but, but really, what do you do? So like, if the child does this, what do you do? Okay. Now what if they do this? What do you do? And literally in that conversation, he was like, everything you're saying is a step-by-step flow chart. And I was like, no, it's not. There's no way because I'm an expert. I've been doing this for so many years. It's so much clinical expertise and on-the-spot decision-making. And he started kind of going through a few different scenarios and sketching them out and really seeing that all these concepts that I had learned through kind of like text and really like tricky terminology, it was really kind of just coming down to step-by-step visuals. And he was asking, has that ever been done before? And I was like, not that I know of. And we looked into it. There's been sometimes there's like a concept visualized through an illustration, but never really like a whole strategy explained as a step-by-step visual. Uh, So we worked on sketching it out. I kept thinking the whole time making the book, this isn't going to work. We're going to get to a strategy that it, it won't be able to work for. And yeah, we did the whole book. Uh, it took about a year for us to do. We self-published. And since then, it's those about four or five years ago. It's really grown. We're so happy about the the impact that it's been able to have in making, especially parent training is something we're really focused on. Also working with teachers, uh, making that experience better for everyone on the team. So I have a question for you that's totally <laughs> non-ABA related. How is it working with your husband? You know what? We really like it. We're very different. We have very different expertise. And so we have to really have strong collaboration, but it's really like you're the ownership of this. I'm the ownership of this. And if something we work together on a lot of things, of course, but if it comes down to like a design decision, it's even if I have an opinion, he listens, but he gets the final say. And if I have a clinical opinion, he gives the feedback, but I have the final say. And so it actually makes it very efficient. And he, for me, the hardest part is that he's Dutch, hence my last name. So he's very direct. And so we had to work at the beginning on having better communication for both of us. I'm a Southerner. And so I'm very polite and a lot of positive feedback. And so we had to really blend and kind of communicate about our communication style at the beginning. But now I love it. We, we work really well together. That's incredible. As much as I love my spouse, I can never, ever see myself working with him. Yeah. <laughs> I think he is the genius maybe behind the idea. <laughs> um, yeah. That all the big ideas are coming from him. And I'm. he says that he comes up with the ideas and then I can make it happen. <laughs> Amazing. You guys sound like a great team. And we talk so much about, you know, visuals and stuff that we use for our learners and putting everything, you know, visually and people have different learning styles. And so it's amazing to see that done for, you know, us, for professionals, for parents, for for teachers, for everyone who needs to understand such important concepts. So I really love it. Um, I know that you're kind of moving into using these skills and these strategies with uh, behavior plans. Yeah. Yes. So that's, I think it's been the natural progression. I know I've always been very passionate about working with families and working with teachers. That's been kind of where I've just been having the most just yet day to day, like inspiration and passion. And I think it was a natural progression because with behavior plans, 
that it takes that that involves everyone on the team. It's such a huge component of ABA from the behavior expert writing the plan and then going towards the the people who are responsible in the staff as well for implementing it. So that's something that is a huge part of ABA that I feel like we could really apply these visual this visual method to to improve it. So right before this podcast began, uh, Morgan and I were just talking and I said how excited I am to see, you know, the final outcome of this project because I work at a group home and we have to write these enormous uh, behavior service plans and they end up being about 20 pages long. And we have, I mean, there's 20 individuals at the group home. So there's probably about 100 to 150 staff and, you know, not all of them have English as a first language. And then you have to give them this 20 page, you know, report essentially and say, read this. And then, you know, you're going to get quizzed on it later, not really quizzed, but more fidelity checks and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. You know, it's really, really overwhelming. So when I when you said that you're coming out with something that's really just pictures, mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh, I need that yesterday. Like I needed that ages ago. Where are you, Morgan? Um, I love it. So yeah. what about you in terms of writing behavior plans? Like what are your experiences with uh, doing that or maybe your first experience when you first started without the visuals? Yes, I can relate very well to the people I've been interviewing that I felt extremely overwhelmed. I don't know if you two had that same experience. I felt overwhelmed, not confident. I felt so much of that imposter syndrome and felt like how like I should be better at this. This is such an important part of being a BCBA. Um, I can say now that I took a position, I was given a great opportunity and I, as something i probably wasn't, I wasn't ready for. Before I was a BCBA, before I even had my credential, I was the head of an entire clinical team for an ABA agency. I had about 20 staff and 50 clients under me. I was responsible for every single thing and every single plan. And I felt like I wanted, of course, to be the best supervisor and support system I could be for my staff, for my parents, for my clients. I didn't want to let them down. But I did not feel confident with writing a plan. And now I have to present a plan that I don't even know if it's going to work. And I could feel like the passion was there. I wanted so well, so much to do well, but I, I had this nerve of like, am I really the best person to do this? Is it going to work? And I didn't have the support system to really help me through that. I think now there's a lot of companies are putting in a lot more of those kind of safeguards and support systems, especially for new BCBAs. Uh, So I I hope that that's not a similar experience that many people have had. But we've been interviewing uh, hundreds, hundreds of BCBAs and also just other providers responsible for writing behavior plans. Sometimes it's a special education teacher, school psychologist, people who are working towards their BCBAs. And that feeling is something that everyone has been sharing. The feeling overwhelmed, feeling even if they were trained and and have the skill set, feeling unsure about the confidence and having that imposter syndrome with with this really essential part of being a BCBA. Yeah, I mean, I can totally identify with that. I mean, I definitely felt somewhat of the imposter syndrome years ago, but even now having done this for so many years, I still feel the pressure, right? If a student is coming to me because they're at the point where something's not working and it's not manageable, and I have a lot of people dependent on what I'm going to write on this paper, you know, that's the parents, it's the client, it's the teachers, it's the staff, it's everyone's safety uh, sometimes. Mm -hmm. 
And I definitely feel the pressure to get it right because you don't really, there's not, not a lot of room for error. Um, so I'm so curious to hear what, what feedback you got from that survey. Yeah, so that was, to me, was really alarming in a bad way, <laughs> how many people were experiencing the same things. People, Not everyone is first-year BCBAs that we interviewed. People who have been in the field for you know five-plus years still saying things like, I dread writing behavior plans. And that feeling of overwhelm, like you were sharing, the feeling of your team when you hand them a 100-page document, you know, that's what it feels like. We interviewed, I interviewed teachers and parents as well. Uh, and you know what they're doing with those documents? Putting it in a desk and never looking at it. Because that is, even if it's, I think we found on average, the VIP uh, was a, on average, I think, four pages and had like, I don't have the number, over 25 strategies on average for a behavior plan. Most of them we've been asking for people to send samples are technically written. And even, you know, the behavior experts trying to do the best they can, of course, to make it to find that balance of it being technical and appropriate to submit to the funding source. But in the end, that plan is handed to a team of people who don't have that expertise and not only are expected to read it, but are expected to be fluent in doing all the strategies every day. So across the board, every person we interviewed was saying those same experiences of feeling that kind of overwhelming, whether you are writing it or whether you're responsible for implementing it. I think that is contributing to the high burnout rate and imposter syndrome that is really kind of infamous in our field at this point because behavior plans is such a huge part of a BCBA role. And we also heard a lot of people didn't feel comfortable sharing that they were not feeling competent in this skill because they felt that they should be higher level than they are. So that kind of embarrassed to admit and ask for help was also there. So I wasn't expecting that to be so profound when interviewing people. And that kind of really pushed push the development of, um, we're talking about, we're creating BIP Visualized is, is the product. And it's going to be an online program where it's going to be for behavior experts, VCBAs, or whoever's writing a behavior plan to go on and create their own visual step-by-step behavior plan. So they'll have all of our visual strategies and they can just drag and drop them in to form a, a visual flow chart of a behavior plan. And they'll be able to share that with the team. We're, we're really hoping that it encourages more collaboration as well. To send it to parents, teachers, send it to the babysitter, the other service providers. And we're also, of course, putting in all of our approachable language descriptions that can all be individualized. So I would love to share some of the findings. We just wrapped up our pilot study like this week. So it's the first time I've really been getting to use all my analytic skills and, and look over the impact of it. Love it. We get to share the data. Okay. So uh, we first, we were looking at data of everyone's traditional methods of writing behavior plans. Do you want to guess what the average time spent writing a behavior plan is? In hours? In hours. Four hours. I was going to say two hours. Oh, okay. You guys are really close. Three and a half. It was a little bit over three and a half hours average. That's a lot. Like that's a lot of time. It is a lot of time because that's per BIP. Yeah. So when they tested out... 
Right, already twenty of them at the time. That's all. Yeah, yeah. When they tested out BAP visualized, that average dropped to forty-five minutes. So that's over just or close to three hours of time saved. And I mean, we know as BCBAs, it's not like okay, now you have three hours off to end the day early. That three hours is going to go somewhere else. You know, getting to support your staff, getting to you know go and do another session for a client who really needs more support. So that is time that can be allocated to other priorities. Uh, so we're really excited about that time saving piece. We talked a lot about the confidence level for professionals writing VIPs. And I think one thing that's important to highlight with this is you probably know one third of all BCBAs have had their credential for less than one year. So a lot of BCBAs are feeling, must be feeling that imposter syndrome of that first year, right? Okay, so we asked them to rate themselves on a scale of one to five, how confident they feel writing a BIP independently. What do you guess is the average out of five? (laughs) It's higher than one. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm there in one. Um, Three. Depends if they're a how-to ABA member or not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, then this one's going to be a little bit more exciting for you guys. So that was 3.2. So we didn't, we weren't only interviewing first-year BCBAs, interviewing people from all over, also all over the world. And so, uh, so kind of a range of different experiences, but 3.2 out of 5. Still low. I mean, I was still hung up on your stat of, you know, one-third of BCBAs are newbies. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we need support. We need support for our new BCBAs. Uh, So they, after using BAP Visualize, that went up to 4.8 out of 5. They felt their confidence level with writing a BIP independently. We also, like I was saying, um, interviewed a lot of stakeholders, parents, teachers. That was really fun to kind of see on the other side of it. I obviously talk a lot with parents and teachers in my job. But I'm, I'm always their BCBA and now I'm an outside person and I feel like I got a little bit more transparency on how often they're actually not using the behavior plans we're all writing. Um, so I'm going to just share the good news here when we the stakeholders were given their own visual behavior plan. So we took the behavior plans that the clinicians had already written, that they provided it to us in text, and we turned it into the visual step-by-step in order to test out for the parents receiving it or the teachers receiving it and having that visual plan. Their buy-in went up 39%, understanding of the plan went up 36%, their accuracy of the plan through the fidelity checklist went up 31%, they used the strategies 15% more, and we also surveyed the BTs or paras in the classroom. Their confidence went up 29%. Wow. You know, really I, thinking, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, I mean, I can totally see that. I I just keep thinking back to, you know, getting a long email. And I know it's not the same as a behavior plan. But, you know, when you're busy and you get these emails coming in and some of them are short, mm-hmm. you just, you know, quickly whip back a line or something. But then every so often you get a big email that is such a long email and it's really small font and you know there's a lot of information in there and you really have to read it and then you have to reread it but then you get distracted because something else came through and you got to go back and go where was my spot again and that's just an email and it's not as important as a behavior plan that yeah. I can totally imagine you know teacher stakeholders people on the other side of the table from us 
um, who don't know our terminology and don't know some of the reasons why we're even implementing some of these things, um, having to read that and interpret it um, can be extremely overwhelming. So I can imagine why scores were low to begin with and how just creating a visual for this, you know, increases their accuracy by 15 to 35 percent. I think that's such a good metaphor because we can all relate to that feeling. You open up something and you're like, oh, like, okay, I know this is important, but I don't want, I don't know if I want to get into this right now, even if it is something really important. You're like, this looks like a lot. And now imagine that we're using more jargon. That's something our field overall is working to improve on. Um, but now they're seeing an email full of technical jargon and it's that feeling of like, okay, I don't know if if I'm going to be able to do this. And that was something that is very important to us is feeling like that parents and teachers feel more empowered to do the strategies themselves. People were hanging up these visuals in their classroom. They were adding it into their sub binders. The parents were saying like they shared it with their, like when their grandparents came to visit, they had it. And so people were more excited to share the plan and really be proud of it because it's visuals. And they're like, I, I can do this. It's easy. And so that was really inspiring to hear that impact. And I love when you talk about, you know, flow charts and templates. And I think the thing that we have in common that like, you know, was so um, like really resounded with me was like the efficiency. Mm -hmm. um, we're passionate about helping people be more efficient, not just because we can build more time with our clients, but because our time can be better spent. And so we also want to help staff with templates with resources and 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 the way you speak about how you created it into this flow chart it's just like it takes that overwhelm and it really helps make it more manageable you shouldn't need to spend hours and hours and hours on a behavior plan if you could spend 45 minutes and then spend more time doing things that um that you really need to do it's not that you'll hopefully have more free time you know at home and after work and you won't be burnt out but um your time can be better spent and so i love that you know efficiency but also competence and confidence and i think when you have the right kind of supports to support you as a bcba then you can feel more confident and feel more efficient and you're not like second guessing yourself every time and so i love that it's available to like support the field in that way Thanks. And I see that I see that as well with your resources. Like I was saying, I, I've used your your information and your resources for years. And I think that that does help with with staff confidence. So they're like, OK, I am on the right track or I have this template to get me started. And so I want it's not that BCBs don't know how to write behavior plans. So for anyone listening to this, that's not in the you know, not a BCBA. It's not at all to talk down about BCBA skill level. I think that BCBs have the skills and have the clinical knowledge. It's more about the time is a huge barrier and that feeling of confidence and putting your ideas down onto paper. So starting with a template, having having that kind of guide to get you started, but it's all your ideas that you have that autonomy for your clinical expertise is still there. I think that's the value with our whole field and why, why I'm sure having templates and resources is so valuable. It just gives you that kind of head start. Yeah, and I think um, this topic of behavior plans is probably one of our most commonly asked questions, um, asked for resource, template, anything having to do with a BIP is, I think, one of our, um, like I said, most commonly asked for resources. And so how can people find out more about your BIP Visualize? Is it available? Where should they go? 
Yes. So you can go to BIPvisualize.com. You can see exactly how it's going to work. We're building it right now, developing it. Again, it's going to be an online program. It's not a book. People can be coming out with another book. This is an online program. So you will actually be able to build your own step-by-step plan. And so it's right now in development. There's an email list for a waiting list because we're going to be, when it is launched, launching it to some early users first. So get on the list if you're interested. It will end up being a monthly subscription uh, product. And we're really hoping that schools and ABA companies see the value of having this as a resource to share with their team. But you could also have it as an individual uh, account. So that'll be we're working on launching. I can't give a launch date. I don't know anything about tech tech development timelines. But that was my next question. When? When? As soon as possible. It is our number one priority. And it is in progress of being developed. So we're, we'll definitely get on the, the email list and we're sharing updates and we have more opportunities for testing prototypes and just that's where you'll get the most up-to-date information. So now that we know that one third of BCBAs have just passed their test, um, they do need a lot of support. So what, what advice would you give you know, a newly minted BCBA Um, which is a lot of our audience as well, who are maybe not feeling super confident with BIPs. I think the first and most important piece is to trust in your clinical knowledge. So you you are a BCBA and that's something to feel really proud about. And really just trusting in, in that piece, I think it's very overwhelming to just look at a blank Word document. That's where I was. I was like, I have no idea where to start. So my advice would be to really, this is my process, I imagine myself in the classroom, I imagine myself in the home, and really think about what would I do in that situation, you have the clinical expertise and ideas. So imagine you're there. On our on our BIP visualized, our plans start with when. So you fill in the box of when do you want the team to do the strategy. So instead of by function, it still is behind the scenes by function. But it's like, okay, during transitions, when asking them to do their homework, when they're playing with peers outside. So really, what are the most common challenging situations and start there. And then you work chronologically again, imagining yourself there. Okay, so in that situation, there's about to be a transition off of electronics. What do I want the team to do to set that learner up for success? That's your preventative strategy. And then you can just go from there. What happens if it works? What happens if it doesn't work? And then if you have those main components and then the teaching, whatever skill you're going to be teaching, you have those four main components, you have a BIP. Now you can have that foundation, get people's feedback, share and share other Uh, parts of it to make it more individualized, add in other pieces. But if you have those four components, that's a foundational behavior plan to get started with. So I think it's just really trusting in your own knowledge, imagining what you would do as a step-by-step story. And that is exactly what you'll be able to build with BIP Visualize. My husband likes to say you can become your own visual storyteller with our program. I love that. Trust yourself, which is such an important message. You really have the the tools that you need to do this, but it's all about the confidence. Exactly. Um, well, thank you for being here, Morgan. This was like super insightful. As we're talking, I'm thinking like, okay, maybe I should change the way I'm writing behavior plans <laughs> to make them more user-friendly. Um, but hopefully your product will be out really soon and we can all try it then. So thank you for being here and sharing that with us. 
Thank you so much. I'll definitely put you both on the early access list. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, Thank you again so much for, for having me. Amazing talking to you, Morgan. Thank you. Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe, rate and review so others can find out about us too. For more from How to ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com. And make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.